Multi-Unit Month is brought to you by the DS Group, a multi-unit and multi-brand franchise group that prides itself on operational excellence, speed of service, and the growth of its people within the hospitality space. Welcome to the Multi-Unit Month takeover of the Global Franchise Podcast. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. Last week, we spoke with three experts about the growth and changes of multi-unit franchising in 2022. We provided you with a comprehensive overview of where this business model stands at the moment and the benefits that have attracted investment from experienced franchising professionals in recent months. This time round, we thought what better source to learn from about multi-unit and multi-brand franchising than the franchisees themselves. We've spoken with three operators from unique and distinct industries to learn about the challenges, opportunities and processes that fall under the multi-unit umbrella. Join us as we learn what a typical day looks like for somebody who owns multiple franchise locations and what advice each of these professionals would give to an entrepreneur looking to take the first steps towards building their own multi-unit empire. Our first guest today is Raj Patel, President of the Harry Group, which has a vast multi-brand portfolio, including the likes of Dunkin', McAllister's Deli, and Dave's Hot Chicken. As the figurehead of such a sizable multi-brand operator, we wanted to hear from Raj about what a typical day looks like for him when he gets to the office. How do you keep so many plates spinning and ensure that your trajectory is always on the up? In addition, we speak to Raj about the QSR market in particular and why he's chosen to put all of his eggs into the food and beverage basket. So this episode, of course, is focusing on kind of a day in the life of a multi-unit operator and you yourself are, of course, a multi-unit operator for Dave's Hot Chicken. Um, What does a typical day look like for you, Raj? How do you split your time between your locations or just your responsibilities? What's a, a typical day for you? The beauty of it is it's never the same. So, uh, you know, Dave's is our newest, uh, one of our most exciting brands we, we've got in our portfolio. Um, we have we have multiple other brands, um, largest of which is, is Duncan. So we're about 80 units altogether. So um, I get asked this question a lot, and it's honestly, it, it's whatever, whatever gets thrown at you in the morning. So mm. um, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, aspects to, to what we do. Um, you know, back in the day, I think that as we uh, were, were getting ready to grow, it was a lot more of that building the engine behind the scenes along with the team up front. Um, you know, anything from accounting to HR to, to marketing, you know, all those types of things. Um, and then on the front side, making sure that you've got the operational processes down. One of the huge things that uh, that we have recently put an emphasis on is, is really the technology aspect of it. Right. Um, using easier means of communication so you're not bogged down on phone calls all day um you're not bogged down on uh you know zooms the new thing where they can you can basically get put on a zoom anywhere you are nowadays so really trying to be as efficient as you can from the moment you wake up to, to the moment you go to bed um but also getting a good split of development making sure the brand's correct and uh and spending time with your team members so you know i don't think there's a black and white answer to that i think it's a little bit of everything but uh but that's what makes it exciting 
Yeah, well, I suppose in a word, then it sounds like busy is kind of your your generally de- general day to day. Um, and what would you say, Raj, uh, are some of the benefits that have come with operating multiple franchise locations, either within a single vertical or multiple brands like yourself within the QSR space, compared to if you just had the one? What do you think really elevates the franchising experience when you go multi-unit or multi-brand? Yeah, I, th- I think there are tremendous advantages. Um, the the first and foremost is is just the, the type of talent you can attract. Um, you know, when it comes to to hiring the top level, um, you know, top level talent in general, I think that the the scale is is very attractive. And obviously, as you uh, you know increase your EBITDA, increase your growth, you can obviously afford a afford a higher caliber of a person. So I think you know that's that's. Number one in my eyes is just the talent you attract and the talent you can bring on board. Mm. It's night and day when you look at you know what we what you hire as a uh, as a single unit operator as you're going from one to five units. Whereas you know we get to that director level, you get that VP level, and then what that kind of looks like. Um, and really just you know ease of getting everything done A to Z, Z in a day. Mm. But I do think there's you know in, in addition to that, um, everything you know financing that's another big one. Being able to fund the growth, um, you know, when when you're going into one, you're usually working on on an SBA type of loan or, or something that you know is very tedious and and doesn't really allow you to go from one to five to ten in a, in a shorter amount of time. Um, whereas once you get some scale and then you've got some you know longevity in the franchise world, banks are more willing to come in, give you lines of credits for growth, gives you gives you uh, lines of credits for development on the real estate side as well. So really that that piece and. Uh, and I think when you're looking at uh, some of the minor things, like you know, one of the huge costs going up today are electricity. I shouldn't say minor because the cost is huge, but really being able to buy that in bulk and uh, and lock in good rates into the future. Um, you know, one of the things we did is we locked in right as the pandemic was starting. So you know, we've got three more years of a really locked in rate um, before we'll feel a lot of that impact. You feel the impact in the delivery and things along those lines, but you don't feel it feel it everywhere. I was gonna say the last piece is really just having that relationship with the brand, and uh, and then you, know, you know brands make money one way they make money on royalties, right? So so as you grow more, you're 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 uh, continuing to to establish your relationship with the brand, and uh, and I guess become more in the know and and pre-planning your next step versus more reactive measures. And um, kind of the flip sides of all of those benefits, Raj, would you say that there's any specific challenges within the QSR industry for yourselves that you think franchisees that operate in other industries such as, you know, service or fitness um, may not encounter as frequently at the moment? Initially, my mind goes to labor, but I think everyone's feeling that at this point. It doesn't really matter what industry you're in. Um, there's there's a shortage. And sure. if, you, if you can attract that right person, you've got to figure out how you can keep them. Um, but but outside of that, uh, I mean, these are things I've never really had to dig into because they're just, you know, things that you don't think about. But, you know, when, when you're looking at a day specifically, um, you know, chicken, you're looking at all these different types of uh, all these different types of commodities that, that go into it. Um, you know, chicken follows corn very closely. So, you know, with, with the rising cost, um, we're able to forecast a little better than, than we used to be able to. Um, but right now it's the cost of goods sold, um, making sure we're doing that. And obviously everyone knows about the gas prices and such. Um, the average consumer has less money in their pocket. So making we, we can't take price and, and, you know, be whole. There's only so much price you can take and, and not, uh, I guess, scare away the customer. So I think right now it's figuring out how to, how to balance all those things correctly. And I think, you know, more in the service or fitness industries, you don't have a cost of goods sold. You have a labor, mm. right? And that's, no, there's positives and negatives to that, but I think in, in our industry specifically, in the QSR world right now, it's it's really 
what are commodities doing everything from eggs to coffee to chicken to even some of our paper goods and uh and making sure that uh you know we we strategically price versus uh cost up three percent we're going to increase our pricing three percent those days are kind of gone with with just some of the outside influences in the world right now and um, my final question for you, Raj, is just kind of taking all of this into account. Um, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who's maybe getting into franchising for the first time and is assessing um, which brands best suit them um, when they're kind of building their own multi-unit portfolio? Are there sort of, I know a lot of that is down to, you know, personal situation and everything, but are there any sort of tenets you think that are useful to know when you're embarking upon this journey for the first time? Yeah, um, I think that you know, we've, we've, we've got, we've got multiple brands. Um, we've, we've, uh, been in and out of a couple other brands. And I think the, the key indicator for us is we've, I feel like I learn every single time. Um, you know, everything's not always roses. Um, you know, there's, there's ups and downs. So I think the leadership of the brand is first and foremost. And I think when you look at leadership at Dave's, you look at the leadership at a Duncan, um, you, you see those things and, and you, you can really see that, Hey, you know, they're in it with us. They're, they're trying to figure out exactly you know, these day, day-to-day issues that we've got. And, you know, at the same time, you know, we, we celebrate the wins. So um, they're, they're in it with us. So leadership's first and foremost. Um, the second thing is, is, is I say sales volume, average unit volume. Um, you know, you used to be able to make money doing, uh, you know, somewhere, you know, seven, eight $800,000 um, in, in, you know, in, in the Chicago type market where I'm located on. I think today it's it's very difficult. Real estate's up incredible, labor's up incredible. So making sure that the brand has shown that it can sustain higher volumes above that million dollar mark um, is also very key. So um, you know, making sure on that and and that you know leads me directly into what the brand brand's growth plans are. Um, you know, there's there's certain brands out there that uh, want to you know saturate a market, come in hot and heavy, and uh, you know with the volume with the volume issues we've got right now, I think that. You've got to make sure that there's an alignment, again, going back to the leadership piece. You know, last couple, make sure you've got your financing locked up. Um, financing is, you know, rates are, are fluctuating greatly right now, making sure that's that's priced into, not priced in, but budgeted into your uh, your projection model is, is, I think, is more key than ever. We've been, we're coming out of, you know, 36 months where rates have been very low and uh, and it's almost been a benefit. I think right now with how much those are increasing, we've got to, that that's almost a line item you got to take into account because you don't know where it's going to be when you close on your loan. And uh, the the last piece I've got here is making sure there's a simplicity of the operation. You know, there's a lot of brands, um, you know, that are that have five million products. I think that, um, and, and you know, it works. It works for a lot of brands. And I, but I think when you're starting something up and you're really coming in as whether you're a new franchisee, um, really making sure that hey, we do a few things, we do them really well. Um, it, it just eases up the operation. It makes things flow a lot better, and it's gonna it's gonna help your life a ton as you're trying to go from one to five to ten units. Um, I think it's if you've got every single product known to man, you know it's a lot harder to operate, a lot harder to control cost, um, and then just having a few few good ones. One of the key takeaways from our conversation with Raj was how attractive multi-brand operators can seem across the board. Whether that's in attracting and retaining top franchise talent or convincing banks that you're a suitable candidate for a considerable loan, this kind of scale is a signifier of success. As a small side note, we'll be touching on the financial benefits of multi-unit development as part of next week's episode of the podcast, so come back then for more information on this crucial aspect of growth. 
Our next guest also operates a multi-brand portfolio, but his businesses are across two very different sectors. Martin Mellor is the owner of a Vodafone retail franchise and recently broadened his horizons with the Umove estate agency concept. He chose Umove because of the flexibility that the brand allowed, which differed from what he was used to. We also speak with Martin about possible synergies between his two brands and the benefits that come with having such a diverse portfolio. You've got to be incredibly disciplined with your time um, and you've got to be very uh, have a plan for every day so so specifically what are the the must do things that you would need to achieve on that day and then there's also a balance around making sure that you give each brand enough love and attention the one thing that i'm very conscious of all the time is dialing into which brand needs that time associating to it and and, and that might be because for instance, this week, we had a new operations manager start in the Vodafone business. You have to dial up your time to get that person established into that role. So therefore, this week looks a bit more Vodafone heavy than maybe you move heavy on my personal time. But knowing that later on down the line, that'll pay off because I've dialed in that time into that person that makes my life a little bit easier later on down the line. So I think I think the, the answer to the question is, being incredibly strategic about where you put your time and understanding where your business is and where the time needs to be put. No, absolutely. I think that's a very important point and it's something that people maybe don't consider as much when embarking upon this kind of um, endeavour. You know, It's quite a, a time-intensive operation, I'd imagine. Um, just as you mentioned there, you've got a, a U-Move, you've got U-Move franchises and Vodafone franchises. I was, uh, from the outset, they seem like quite different kinds of operation. Um, and I wondered what kind of drew you towards operating uh, lettings and estate agency alongside a kind of phone retail operation. Within the Vodafone franchise, that was the one that we started off, and that I've got a telecoms background. Right. That business is now um, four years old this summer uh, in terms of a franchise business. We've got great people that run the day-to-day running of the shops. As it's become more into that norming kind of phase of, of, of we've done the growth piece, we've got people. Um, what we do now is we tweak and we marginally gain in the business. and and we are not into that fight or flight mode all the time. Yeah. So actually, the Vodafone business kind of runs itself. Of course, my job is to make sure that more than anything, the relationship with Vodafone is a smooth one, that we're delivering everything that we should do to protect their brand and to deliver on their targets and their outputs. But be- because it's established, you can establish certain timings that you can do things um, and, and you can run it your way. It is also, from a Vodafone perspective, very very rigid as a, as a franchise which is great when you start off as a franchise journey actually what you don't want is lots of things that you can change uh, because it's regulated because the products that we sell are regulated because we're mystery shot all the time actually we've got lots of view and vision about what we do and what we produce so you can kind of let it be what it will be the results in terms of pound notes and sales will be an indicator for you the customer experience, the NPS that we get from our customers in Vodafone will be an indicator for you. And the video mystery shops that, that are, are conducted to maintain the standards are a great indicator for you. So it's established with a lot of touch points that will tell you whether or not you're doing a good or a bad job. Yeah. With you move, 
very different because what I found with Vodafone was I was almost not becoming redundant, but I was finding I had more and more time to myself, which me personally is a dangerous thing. <laughs> right. I'll come up with an idea. I'll 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 become disruptive. I'll you know you, you know there's only so much gym that you can do or, or so sure. that time needed filling and it was about what fitted my skill set, my business partner's skill set, which is also telco and our time. Yeah. And real estate, you move sales and lettings. It fits because. You can be as agile as you like. You can be as busy as you like. It's it's a tap on tap off type business. We started it with myself, Rob, his wife, my wife, Shelley. So that's the headcount. It's it's very lean, and the big spend was on marketing, right? And establishing your brand locally, Facebook, Google, those type of things. If you didn't want to be as busy because you were busy in something else, just turn the tap off and manage the flow. Um, now, we chose to go big in terms of flow, but because we had an existing franchise with Vodafone, cash wasn't really a problem to do that. Yeah, And because cash wasn't a problem to do that, we knew if we went bigger f- sooner, we can invest more into the sales and lettings business down the line in terms of people. So now we've got people that work for us in the sales and lettings business as well as the Vodafone business. So I think brand-wise, sales and lettings work perfectly because you can be as agile as you want to be. You can manage your diary as much as you want to be, and that fitted in well with the Vodafone franchise. But you can also manage the sales and the turnover by directly controlling the marketing spend. So if you felt you were too busy, you can turn it off. Yeah. And that comes quite nicely into my next question for you, Martin, which was just about whether there are any synergies between your your brands within your multi-brand portfolio. So whether that comes down to maybe lessons learned from Vodafone that you've then taken to Umove or perhaps operationally, synergistically, if there's anything in that area, is there any sort of connections in that sense? I think, I think the connection is all about customer service right? And, and, and the delivery of the product. So Vodafone, from a brand perspective, is incredibly locked down, rigid. And it's great because as a new franchisee, you can't do anything with the brand. They, they're very precious about the brand, rightly so, because what you invest as a franchise is into buying the big red banner above the door and all the security that that brings, which is footfall, existing customer base, all those bits, which is great. You move as a brand is establishing itself, is very agile you can rec- they've got a great sheet called Eunice that can be seen to be doing different things at different you can be dressed up in a santa hat right st george's day you know all the different types of events easter bunny you can you can do so much with it that you couldn't do with vodafone so from a brand synergy not many but the, the single difference is the single thing that's similar pardon me is service Vodafone demands mm. such a high level of service. We are um, incredibly highly measured in terms of our performance around servicing the Vodafone franchise. And what we saw in the sales and letting space was actually the service proposition is pretty poor. And you move, and the reason we chose you move is number one for Trustpilot, massively into the service that's given. It's a personal branding service as well. 
So it's you that's the service per se. And it's quite American in that sense mm. that your business cards have your photo on it. So you're responsible. And actually that drives a really high service level for you because the differentiator is there's lots of estate agents, there's lots of mobile phone companies, but actually, especially in sales and lettings, recommendation is far more prominent than in, in, in telecoms. So we've got that service embedded with us from Vodafone. And then if we look at sales and lettings, the competition, it's just a job to a lot of them. It's not their business. It's not their living. Maybe it's a franchise or something, but they get quite big quite quickly. A lot of sales and lettings um, agencies, for instance, open the door, let you look at the house. We don't do that. We open the door. We go in every room. We sell the house with people. We talk about the council tax bill, the energy bills. We do the extra things that we know really matter. Um, so there was a massive service gap in the sales and lettings in our local area that we felt we could pop into with the right partner and the right culture and the right service ethic. And I think we found them with, with you move. Yeah, definitely. And um, my, my final question for you, Martin, is just what advice would you give to current franchisees who, like yourself, uh, four years ago, perhaps owned the one franchise uh, brand um, and are looking to expand their portfolio with an entirely new brand? I think, you know, first of all, research the living daylights out, out of what you want to do. Right. There's a couple of reasons. You know, if you're going to go into it, you've got to go into it wholeheartedly, therefore, have you got the time and energy and effort to put into it? Does the brand fit with you? So, for instance, with UMove, we did the discovery days. We spoke to existing UMove franchisees that we knew um, of locally. We met the UMove head office team, spent time specifically with Nick Neal, the, the, the MD there. And actually, for me, it was much more about a cultural fit. Right. In, in the nicest possible way, if the business is a good business, you'd back yourself. But actually, what you also want is a cultural leadership fit is very much similar to how you want to be treated, very much similar how you want your customers to be treated and how you want to communicate back into that franchise. Yeah. Do lots and lots of research. Research the time, the effort that you need to put into it. Is it the right business? Is it the right type of business? Is it a business that you want to be able to be involved in a lot, i.e. be the brand? Or is it a business that you want to, actually, I just want to be financially involved in the business, but not physically in my time? Because there are those. Um, um, some of the Vodafone people have done um, uh, Mr. Charger franchises, which is the uh, fitting EV charging points into houses. Great business, growing. And actually, they have electricians that do that for them. So they're not physically as hands-on as the sales and lettings industry. So there's, there's different types, hands-on, hands-off, time, culture, do your research. It was interesting to hear about Martin's specific multi-brand journey and how he took on the U-Move opportunity once Vodafone reached a point at which the business essentially ran itself. It's the sheer nature of a multi-brand operator that they can't be as hands-on with every business all of the time, so getting your locations to a point of self-sufficiency is key. Martin also touched on the need for intense research when broadening your multi-brand network, attend discovery days, speak with existing franchisees, and ensure that a new concept is 100% right for you before embarking on that kind of growth. You ultimately need to be passionate about a brand 
as you'll be dedicating a lot of time to its success. Our final guest for this week's episode knows a thing or two about passion, as he was recently named the IFA's Franchisee of the Year for his success and dedication to the business model. Grady Hinchman made the leap from a career in professional baseball to franchising when he joined Planet Fitness and grew a multi-unit portfolio alongside his business partner. After a period of success, Grady wanted to look for something new and discovered altitude trampoline parks, where he now operates two locations with a third underway. As well as learning more about his unique journey through the franchising world, join us as we speak with Grady about how up-and-coming franchisees can follow in his award-winning footsteps and build their own multi-unit platform for success. I can't say it was planned. Um, you know, the baseball life was expected to be the life until the end. You know, that was the dream. Um, but it becomes a business when you get in the professional world. And the team that I was with found that they had a place uh, for someone else and it wasn't me. So I was scrambling, you know, I was like, you know, I had uh, a young family and I needed to figure out my next move. Started working in Planet Fitness just to keep some, you know, money in the bank. Put my nose down, learned a lot from the management team that was there. Um, Got a really early dose of Planet Fitness back when there was only 200 and some locations. So the franchisees that were involved were really involved with growing this brand um, and their footprint and their territory. From there, just kept my nose down, uh, learned a lot from the management team, took every opportunity to grow within the company until I felt that there was a little bit of a plateau and there really wasn't a spot for me with the current group I was with. Um, so I had to seek out other opportunities and partnered up with a gentleman to come to Tampa and develop this territory. We hit the ground running. First location was great. Learned a lot, spent a lot. Second location, spent a little bit less, learned a little bit more. But it really laid a real interesting groundwork and um, understanding of how to replicate uh, a franchise or franchise units if you follow the blueprint that's laid out in front of you by a great franchise system. From there, we did nine locations in the Tampa and uh, St. Pete area. Um, And then from there, we decided to part ways, uh, just different business models, different business ideas. Uh, And I partnered up with a new group. We did some courting on which brands were interesting to us. What do we want to get involved with? Uh, I was a client of my current business partner's marketing firm. And we were we just like, we this franchise thing is interesting. You know, we need to we need to look into this a little bit deeper. So we did. We looked at a lot of different brands and Altitude really jumped out at us, you know, the money that it was making, the product that it offered to the communities that it would go into, uh, really kind of hit home with us. So we met with them multiple times, really did our homework. And we went into this with the ideas of like, we're going to grow this franchise and our footprint at the same time. So we signed off for a fairly aggressive um, ADA with 15 units and mostly in Florida, but not limited to. So here we are now with, you know, two open, a third one on the way, potentially a fourth one right down in the pipeline as well. So um, the transition from baseball to multi-unit franchising was not necessarily a uh, planned thing, but it's been a really fun journey along the way. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like it's been beneficial for you. I mean, notably, you know, recently you took home the uh, IFA's Franchisee of the Year Award. Um, and I just wanted to kind of dig down into that a little bit. What is it you think about your leadership style as a multi-unit franchisee that saw you win this award with the IFA? Working in a franchise, you know, at the very entry level position up to the higher level positions really gives you some insight on how you should treat your team, how you should treat your customers and the product you should provide to the communities that you're going into. 
So I took that philosophy and really ingrained it in the early levels of our, me- our leadership team in our Kissimmee location. And not only in the, the leadership team, but it instilled it in the very entry-level position, the frontline workers that are in there every day dealing with customers every single day um, on how to treat them and how to really have that customer uh, exceed that customer's expectations, um, along with being a part of the community that you're going into, not just being a business that's selling a product or something to the customer, but really learning about them, you know, finding out how you can intertwine with them, finding ways to be involved with the community, um, hosting different events at the park to keep the experience new and exciting. Um, That kind of philosophy, I think, is really what springboarded Kissimmee to the top and really got the um, attention of our corporate office and the IFA to, you know, nominate us for having that impact in the community that we went into. Yeah, no, that's really great to hear. And um, on the on the franchise development side of things, um, what would you what advice would you provide, Grady, to other entrepreneurs who are maybe looking to follow in your footsteps? Maybe not, you know, literally from baseball uh, player to franchisee, but kind of building their own uh, multi unit portfolio. What do you think are some of the important things you've learned along the way? There's a couple of things. One is definitely find a product or brand that you're really passionate about um, that has a sound franchise system. Altitude has really been putting their best foot forward at the corporate office to lay out some groundwork to really ease the process of figuring things out for franchisees coming into our system. But it's not they're just not sitting in their offices, reinventing the wheel, saying this is how it needs to be done. They're listening to the the operators that are out there and saying, what are the best ways to do this? Or what are the best ways to solve that problem? So really finding a, a franchise that has a strong corporate office, you know, it has a, a very forward thinking uh, future for their brand and not always just worrying about right now, but what's to come. Partnering up with that is a, is a huge one. The big, and the other one would be, you know, developing your leaders within to have the same core values, um, the same drivers that that you see, that you feel like you have yourself um, to be able to develop them and grow the franchise and and, and promote within. I mean, it's, it's very common. People are like, Oh, we always want to promote within, but you you can do that. And it's not just based on, you know, how well they're doing the job. It's how, how passionate they are about, you know, what you believe in and how you feel like your business should run. And those two have been really our strongest points. We learn from the corporate office just as much as as they learn from us. And I think that that relationship can really have a huge impact on any franchise's success. And my final question for you, Grady, is sort of the flip side of that is what are some of the biggest challenges that you encounter in your day-to-day as a multi-unit operator that you'd like to kind of either caution or just make others aware of so that they're prepared for that in their own journey? The franchise is supposed to be a business in a box, um, but the boxes are all different shapes and sizes, harder <laughs> to open. You know, everything's everything's uh, unique to a to a degree. If the foundation is there, you know, stick to the plan as much as possible, but don't go in closed minded without um, expecting roadblocks or speed bumps because you're going to run into that. Um, every municipality is different. Every type of customer in different markets are different. The type of employees that you hire are going to be different. If you can stick to your guns and really maintain that, those core values and, and that style of business that you really want to hold true, and it takes a lot of work. It'd be great if there was 48 hours in a day. I mean, that's something that every operator wishes that that, that was a reality, but unfortunately it's not the case. So knowing how to delegate your time, because if you get into this business especially if something you're passionate about, it's going to be near and dear to you. And you, you're going to want it to be perfect all the time. You have to understand that that's not the case. But when those imperfections you know, show their ugly face, 
how to react to them, how to respond to them and not panic. Be resourceful. Don't feel like you have to have everything figured out. Use your corporate office. Learn from your vendors. Listen to your customers. Um, And the biggest thing is listen to your leaders because they get it from all directions. The management teams that you have in your units are going to be your biggest assets, not just your, they're not just there to operate. They're also doing research on how to better your brand, better your business, and make sure you evolve so that you can continue to improve your product so that it doesn't become stale or dead, but it becomes, you know, a household name. It was great to hear Grady's perspective on his Franchisee of the Year award and how it ultimately all came down to a sense of unified, positive culture. As we've covered in this episode, you could have a multi-unit or multi-brand network that's either incredibly diverse or perfectly aligned, but you need to have some common truths across all of the locations that drive you towards success. Culture is certainly a great place to start with this and can be the bedrock upon which you can then build further successes. Along those same lines, Grady also asserted the importance of delegation and building a trustworthy team with who you can work in harmony. You simply can't be everywhere at once, and it's crucial that you have others to rely on when challenges or roadblocks crop up along the way. That brings us to the end of this second episode of the Multi-Unit Month Takeover of the Global Franchise Podcast, but make sure to tune in next week when we'll be speaking with four experts about the legal and financial nuances that multi-unit franchising entails. If you're unsure about how to fund an expansive growth plan, then you really can't afford to miss out. And as always, make sure to visit globalfranchise.com forward slash multi-unit month where we'll be posting all of this month's expansive and detailed multi-unit content. 